You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. With today's walk talk, before I begin, let me go ahead and introduce myself. If you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Now, um, if you look up the description of who I am, I came up with that description years ago, and I've got it titled on my website just for Google purposes and whatnot, but it says that I'm a best-selling author, encourager, teacher of God's word. A couple things. First of all, just because you have a best-selling book doesn't mean you make a lot of money off the book. (laughs) You make pennies off books, so I don't do this to sell books. I don't have to sell books. This is my hobby, so to speak. So the books that I write is just because I enjoy doing it. I'm an encourager. That's my spiritual gift. I understand what my spiritual gift gift is. I'm an encourager. I'm good at helping people have confidence. I'm. Uh, that's my gift, and I can also communicate well via writing, via speaking. I'm getting better at speaking. So we'll see what happens, what God does with that. But I've I've written books for years. I started my first book um, in 2015 released it in 2016 and then re- released another book in 2017 and I released a total of seven books. So I haven't written a book in over a year and I'm kind of taking a break from that. I've got a couple projects um, in the works. Then it also says I am a teacher of God's word. Now that part right there, if I had to redo that, I would. <laughs> if I had to if I had to rethink that part of my description, I would, but you know, I'm going to leave it there just for now, just because I know it brings a lot of people, um, into that search category. So, um, I don't think I'm necessarily a teacher of God's word. Why is that? Because the word is Jesus. Ultimately, the word is in you. The word is in me. The word is not the Bible. Now, can we call the Bible the word? Yes. You can call it the word if you want to, but we never want to get those two things confused because the Bible never refers to itself as the word. Why not? Because all these individual letters were written before the Bible was compiled. So we have the word in us. We see this all throughout the New Testament epistles. The one whom Jesus loved self-titled John. He talked about this all the time. The word is the spirit of Jesus Christ. The word is in you. The word is in me. So because we have the word in us, we know everything we need to know currently. And now we're growing. We're maturing. We're growing in grace. We're growing in the knowledge of this grace. We're growing in who we are and the knowledge of it. We're growing in the knowledge of who Jesus is. So best-selling author. Yeah. Not really a big deal to me, but some people want to know if my books are good. They're good. Get them. Encourager? Yes. I'm at peace with that. I'm confident in saying that. I can encourage you. It's my gift. And then teacher of God's word, you know, maybe I'll redo that one day. But for now, it's there. All right. What else about me? I'm not a pastor. I get called Pastor Matt all the time, and I understand where people are coming from. It's because our current body of believers are very pastor-centric. But I want to help you get past this error. First of all, I, I love people who are in the pastoral 
role, the pastoral, quote, position. In scripture, though, the word pastor is never described as a role. It's never described as a position. It's never described as somebody with authority. It's never described as somebody who even has qualifications. Go look it up. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament. And when we see that passage in Ephesians, we see that it's a supernatural gift. So that supernatural gift also includes teaching. So that tells you that not all people who have the position, what we've turned it into as pastor, have the gift of teaching. Not all those who teach have the gift of being a pastor. We have to rethink the word pastor because what we see today on planet earth for the word pastor is not in the Bible. It's not there. We have turned it into this. We never see one individual who is in charge of a group. The word pastor simply means overseer. That's a gift. Certain people have the gift of overseeing a group. But that overseer has no authority. That overseer might not be able to teach. That overseer might not be able to do certain things that other people in the body of Christ can do. So when we look at the early church, we don't see any situation where there's one person in charge. It's just not there. We've done this as the body of Christ. We've set up a top-down authority. We've set up boards. We've set up hierarchies and we have to repent from this stuff. Now, am I telling you to stop going to church? That's not what I'm telling you. I get accused of that and I understand where they're coming from. It's because they are taught this pastoral worship every single week. We even see it on TV. We see celebrity pastors. That's not in the Bible either. What I am trying to do is get you to go back to the gospel, to the simplicity of it, to scripture. Let's go back to the Bible and then let's begin to enjoy this life in Christ that we have because we all have something to contribute. I've got something to contribute. You have something to contribute. Everybody has something to contribute. Why? Because you're a member of the body of Christ. We are a group. We are an organism. Also in the Bible, the word church never describes a building. That's going to be part of today's walk talk of you're always in the presence of God. The word church, another word for it is ecclesia or assembly. It's never a building, not once. That's hard to fathom because we are so driven by those who find their identity in church attendance to do that. Am I against you going to church? Again, I'll repeat, no, you're free. You can go to church, but just know you are never commanded to go to church. Not once. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? That's not church. Do not forsake the assembly? That's not church. The word church is not even in the book of Hebrews. Matter of fact, Hebrews 10, 25, the very next passage, they're instructed to stop going to a building. And I'm not even saying stop going to a building. I'm just telling you, you're free. And that the word church in the Bible is not a building. It's us. It's individual groups of believers. Okay, let's get back to the basics. 
Let's get rid of these hierarchies. Let's stop putting our faith in a building. Let's stop putting our faith into works-based stuff to achieve something. So let's get to today's walk talk. Um, Oh, one other thing before I get into today's walk talk. If you want to contact me, you can always email me. If you DM me, I don't always check my DMs. Hard to keep up with. So the best way to contact me is to email me. If you're watching this live on Instagram right now, you can actually go to my profile and I've created you a little email button. Hit that email button, message me. I'll be glad to interact with you. No problem at all. Get a hold of me. If what I'm saying is causing you to have more thoughts, more questions, I will be glad to help you. Shoot me an email. But if you DM me, I don't always answer my DMs. It's nothing personal. This is just a healthy boundary that I've set up for myself because I can't keep up with the DMs. But I find out that when people take their time to write an email, they're more inclined to actually go into what they mean in greater detail. So email me. All right, so let's go ahead and get to today's walk talk. You are always in the presence of God. Always. I'm talking to Christians here. Now, if you've never believed in Jesus by grace, once in your life, you can have the presence of God join you right now. It's simple. Simply believe you need to be forgiven. And that only Jesus can do that. And that there's nothing you can do to achieve it. Once you believe that and you've accepted that, God's spirit enters you. You are immediately joined with his spirit. You're instantly in his presence permanently. Okay, so let's get to some reasons why a lot of people don't believe that. So when I decided to do this walk talk this morning, it was based on a TikTok that I saw. And again, when I do these walk talks, it's normally something that I'm seeing repeatedly. So recently I have been seeing Christian TikToks and I love TikTok. If you're not on there, get on there and follow me if you want to. <laughs> I might not be your cup of tea. Some people don't like my face. <laughs> Some people don't like my goatee. I get messages that I smile too much. So you might not like my accent. I don't know. But if you want to follow me, follow me. I'm on TikTok. So on TikTok, we got Christian TikTok. Christian TikTok is very interesting and I enjoy it because I get to see the thoughts and opinions of lots of different people. Sometimes I agree with them. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm right in the middle. As long as we're agreeing on Jesus, that's ultimately what matters. Recently, I've been seeing TikToks about doing things to enter into the presence of God. The problem with that is you don't do anything to enter the presence of God. I'm also seeing TikToks where people say you could really feel the presence of God. Now, here's the thing with that. The presence of God is not a feeling. There is somebody who heard me just a couple minutes ago who was just saved. They didn't feel anything. But the presence of God is in them. You don't have to feel anything to be saved. Now, if you did, great. That's cool. Not against feelings. 
Emotions are great. But we never want to confuse who God is or his presence with an emotion. Some people become addicted to the emotions. So they go from church to church looking for experiences, looking for those emotions to come back, looking for the right feeling. God's not a feeling, not an emotion. He's a person and he joins you one time in your life by grace through faith. So what is it about going to a place, listening to the music, hearing the message, being around other people, or even being by yourself and you feel something? Is that God? No, it's your feelings. Feelings are not God. Feelings don't indicate the presence of God. You can be in a very difficult situation in your life, at a, at a, a place of turmoil, and your feelings aren't great, but the Holy Spirit is in you. The presence of God is in you, and he doesn't go away. So why is this, and how is this? Let's go back to the Bible and find out. Let's look at the presence of God before the cross and after the cross. So before the cross, the presence of God was at the temple. Okay? At the temple, there was a holiest of holy part of that temple where the animal sacrifices happened. There was a big veil in the temple and only the Levitical priest could go back behind that veil. And that's where animal sacrifices happened why did the animal sacrifices happen? Because God is a just God. God requires perfection. It's not no holds barred with God. Do what you want as an unbeliever. It's perfection. You know, I did a live yesterday on TikTok. And I always give people the opportunity to share why they think what they think when I have a guest. This gentleman got on here and he was furious about God furious and he said he's not a believer and he couldn't imagine a good God doing what he did in the Old Testament all these bad things happening and I asked him I said so what would you have done he sidestepped the question didn't answer it he continued on continued on and then I asked him again what would you have done how would you define what is right what is wrong he had no answer because he knew that if he did, he would be putting himself in God's position. We went around and around in a friendly way for a little bit. And the bottom line is God didn't cause anything bad to happen. God created everything and it was good. Humanity messed it up. Adam and Eve did this, not God. Because God is just, because God requires that original perfection from the garden, punishment has to happen. Sin has to be dealt with. If God did not require perfection, none of that stuff would have happened in the past. So we set up this system for temporary payment of sin at the temple. 
that payment was the blood of animals. It atoned for sins. Year after year after year, it would atone for sins. Cover them up. Why? Because sin exists. Why? Because God is good. Because God requires perfection. So the animal blood could never achieve once for all perfection for the Jews. It was needed annually. And that Levitical priest, the Levitical priest who was the middleman between the Jews and God, he could never rest. He could never sit down. There was no chairs in the temple. The work was never done. It was year after year after year after year after year. Paying for sins, paying for sins, paying for sins. And it didn't even pay for it. It atoned. Atoned means cover. Another way to look at it would be putting those sins on a credit card. Credit card, you put it on the charge card. It's still going to have to be paid at some point or another. So because God is just and because his presence cannot be in anything not perfect, in anything not righteous, in anything that has sin, which is the opposite of perfection, the blood had to be shed repeatedly. So God's presence before the cross was only in the temple because of what Adam and Eve did. And he had a plan to come along, take care of this for us. How? Jesus. Jesus. So that's the presence of God before Jesus. You go to the temple, there's his presence. Now Jesus comes along and this is what made the Pharisees so mad. Because they were used to that sacrificial, sacrificial system. They were used to saying, I sin less than you. They were used to comparing their righteous actions to other people who they called sinners. So what does that look like on this side of the cross? Let's talk about the presence of God after the cross. Now, before I get into that, I want to touch on one other thing. Before the cross, the presence of God was on people, with people, near people, but not in. Here. It was only at the temple permanently because the sin of the world had not been dealt with. Now, Jesus comes along never sinned. Jesus comes along, never did anything wrong. But it wasn't just that he never did anything wrong. It's that he did not have the power of sin in him. Two different types of sin. Sinning, the verbs of sinning, actions and attitudes, which are sinful. And then we have the power of sin, the force. The Greek word is called hamartia. This power of sin entered our realm when Adam and Eve no longer believed God about their current perfection because they wanted the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to know more stuff. Why? So that they can be more like God, but they were already like God. 
That's a whole nother walk talk. But the power of sin entered through Adam. Now, when Adam sinned originally by no longer believing God about his perfection, you watching this live, you were literally, and I know what the word literally means. I see people use it all the time. They use it out of context. Literally, actually, you were in his reproductive organs. That's where you came from. You were in Adam, in a scrotum. No other way to say that. When he sinned. So when he sinned, you inherited his sin. By no fault of your own. Because you inherited his sin, God could not make his presence in you. God could not make his presence in Adam and Eve because of sin, because they disobeyed, because God said, here's an option. I don't want you to choose that. But when you do, you will surely die. God never said, I'm going to kill you. He said, you will die. So he gave him the option. Now, when that happened, and Adam and Eve no longer believed God. Therefore, the power of sin entered this realm. You were in Adam. We are born naturally with the power of sin in us. So we can't have the presence of God in us. That sin has to be dealt with. Our actions and attitudes, which are sinful, have to be dealt with. Perfection is required by God. This is why Jesus said, be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. Perfection is required by God. There's no getting by without perfection. So Jesus did what you couldn't do. That's how much he loves you. He didn't have to do that. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. Before you even loved him, he loved you first. This is the good news of the gospel. This event, which happened through Jesus, the cross, his blood, once for all shed, dealt with sin. The power of sin, the force, and the verbs of sinning. So you no longer have to worry about God dealing with you on the basis of your sin. Therefore, you no longer have to worry about God leaving you when you decide to sin. First of all, you're sinless in you. You're sinless. The power of sin has been removed. You were crucified on the cross with Jesus. Your old self died. That's Galatians 2, Colossians 2. Your old self died. Your old sinful spirit is dead. Not coming back to life. Now there's the power of the flesh, which still can present itself to you, and you can choose to walk according to the flesh, but the flesh is not your flesh. The flesh is a separate entity altogether. So when you see the words, the flesh in scripture, it's not talking about your body. It's not you. Okay. Because Jesus did something better than what the Levitical priests were doing year after year at the temple, you now have the ability to have the presence of God in you. And this happens one time in your life. Just once. It doesn't happen multiple times. Now, 
this is so good because Jesus did something much better than what the Levitical priests were doing. In the temple, when Jesus went to the cross, there was a, a ceiling to floor veil, a giant curtain in the temple, in the presence of God. Nobody could go past that veil. Nobody could present blood back there unless you were born from the tribe of Levi. When Jesus died, shed his blood on the cross once for all. That veil was torn. It was torn from top to bottom. No Jew could get up that high. So the veil was torn. The dividing wall between Jew and Gentile was gone. Jesus did that at the cross. But it didn't just end there. When Jesus came back to life, he caused you to become righteous. This is how you are always in the presence of God and the presence of God is always in you because you're not just forgiven, but you're righteous too. Second Corinthians five says he became sin. So you could become righteous. It was an ultimate trade-off. It was divine exchange. It was the love of God being shown to you through his son. God knew he had to make his home in you permanently. And the only way that could be done is if he did it. So he has reconciled himself to you. And now it's up to you to reconcile yourself to him by saying, I receive that by grace. And you do that one time in your life. You don't do it multiple times. It happens once. So now you are the temple of God. Paul says that. First Corinthians 6. You are the temple of God. What does that say? The presence of God is in you, always. Paul says, you are one spirit with the Lord. You couldn't become one spirit with the Lord unless you were righteous. So you're the temple of God. You're one spirit with the Lord. You are now the house of God. Hebrews chapter 3 tells us that. You don't go to a building to be in the house of God. Those aren't houses of God. You are the house of God. That is a building that we have named church. God's presence is not in there. When you walked into that building, you walked in that building with his presence already in you. Yes, his, I'll say it again. His presence is not in that building. Paul tells us that in the book of Acts. God does not dwell in temples built by human hands. God does not dwell in buildings. Paul is saying the same thing I'm saying. You are the real temple. You house God. You are one spirit with the Lord. That's some good news. That's some really good news. Before the cross, the presence of God, if you wanted that, you were lucky if he showed up for some kind of spectacular event. Or you had to go to the temple. After the cross, you're crucified, buried, resurrected instantly, and you're united with the Lord. Romans chapter 6 says you are united. You're one spirit. You can't get any closer to his presence than that. 
Colossians chapter three says, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when you hear an emotional song or you see something emotional happen, never think that event or that song is causing the presence of God to come. We don't need to beg God to come down. We don't need to invite his spirit. We don't do that. Pagan religions do that. We have the Holy Spirit in us. He'll never go away. So let's ask you this. What could possibly make the Holy Spirit go away? Getting angry? We get angry all the time. No. Getting frustrated? We get frustrated all the time. No. Not feeling him any longer? That make him go away? No. The only thing that could possibly make God go away is sin. What has Jesus done with your sins? Paid for them. Taking them all the way at the cross. So when you have the thought of, I blew up, or I lost my cool, or I made a mistake, or I did or said something extremely immature, one thought you never have to say, or one thought you never have to have is, God, come back. He's not going anywhere. He's in you. You're still righteous. What I did wasn't righteous. I know. What Jesus did was, you access that righteousness. You have it in full forever. It's never going to stop. It was a trade-off. So if you confuse what you do with your righteousness, you're confusing what Jesus has done through the resurrection. Your righteousness was a gift. Paul told the Romans, it's a gift. By faith, you receive it. So you have to deal with your complete forgiveness. You have to deal with your complete righteousness. You have to deal with the Holy Spirit's not a feeling. You have to deal with you are sealed up with the Spirit. Paul told the Ephesians, sealed up. This also tells you that no demon can enter you. He ain't going to share you with the demon. You don't need any demons cast out. You don't need to go to a building to have somebody cast a demon out. When you go to a location when there's lots of bad stuff happening, if you think a demon entered you at that place, it's not true. Now, you could be oppressed. They can be in your midst. They could follow you around. But they can't possess you. You're already possessed by the Spirit. You're already in the presence of God completely. So these are the things you have to deal with. You have to deal with your complete forgiveness. You have to deal with the fact that you're completely righteous. You have to deal with the fact that the Holy Spirit will never leave you or forsake you. Nobody can snatch you out of his hands. You can't even undo this yourself because even when you are faithless, he remains faithful. It's about his faithfulness, not yours. Paul said that in 2 Timothy 2.13. So I hope this has encouraged you guys today. Hope it's brought to light some things that maybe you were struggling with. Maybe you had some 
erroneous thoughts of fear and condemnation and guilt or lifelong mistakes where you thought that God had left you because you didn't feel him. It doesn't matter what you felt. It doesn't matter what you feel in regard to him being with you. When you understand this, he will actually help you with those feelings. He'll tell you your feelings are important. Your situation is important. Your needs are important. Your experiences need to be validated. But none of those things are ever going to cause the Holy Spirit to leave you. You're always in his presence. When you hear a song or go to a place and your emotions feel really good, awesome. I love that. I love emotions. I love music. I love going to locations where it just feels so good. But you have the presence of God in you and he'll never go away. He's in you permanently. Why? Because by one offering, you have been made perfect. You have been sanctified. Hebrews chapter 10. You have approached the throne of God with confidence. You're not continuing to approach. You approached it once. And now you are seated in heaven, in Christ, with God. So, always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're always in the presence of God. You are one spirit with the Lord. Yeah, you make mistakes. Yeah, you say things that you regret. Yeah, you have experiences that you wish that you could have again. But none of those things have anything to do with God coming or going. He's in you permanently. Sins have been taken away because of the cross. Your righteousness has been put in place because of the resurrection. There's nothing wrong with you. So never fall into the trap of condemnation or guilt or letting somebody attempt to make you think God has left you or that because you're doing something or not doing something or have done something that you regret that God's somehow taking his presence away from you. You know, we see David in the Old Testament, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. We don't say that on this side of the cross. David was a Jew. David experienced the Holy Spirit coming and going on him all the time for divine acts. We don't worry about that because his spirit is always in you. You're righteous. You're one spirit with the Lord. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. There's nothing wrong with you. Keep learning. Keep growing. Keep being yourself. Always tell the truth about yourself, guys. Love y'all. See you later. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.